This week on Intrigued, full of fact. Our daughter, in her pain, chose that light lifestyle after that. As a teenager, chose that lifestyle. Just things took a, a bad turn, and but she was really, really a good kid. I'm Shandrea Thomas, and welcome to episode 27. In this podcast, I talk about curious cases, disappearances, and other stuff. And today I'm talking about the curious case and death of 16-year-old Anaya Walker from Phoenix, Arizona. Hers is a tragic story and a cautionary tale for parents and teens on the world of sex trafficking. On May 22nd, her body was found in a median along Interstate 10 and Watson Road in Buckeye, Arizona, by a driver who called police. Her father, Adrian, says she was a runaway and a victim of sex trafficking who met a devastating end. I had a deep conversation with Adrian about Anaya's life and the impact this is having on the family. I also reached out to Buckeye police about the case. Adrian shared his thoughts about his relationship with his daughter and how she ended up as a ward of the state and in the grasp of traffickers. This is what happened. So tell me what happened with your daughter? What's going on with your family in the last month or so? Within the last month, Anaya was was missing. Okay. Uh, She was part of the uh, missingchildrens.org website and was in a group home and was a runaway. She was a ward of the state. So at that time, we couldn't find her. She was missing. But every now and again, we would get contact from her, but she did everything she could to evade any type of contact uh, with us, physical. Let's get into what's occurred here. So your daughter, um, her body was found, I believe on May 22nd, but you guys weren't notified until the first part of June. So what was your last contact with her? What did you guys find out? What happened to your daughter? My last point of contact with our daughter was, I want to say December of 2019. Um, She had shared some words with me via Facebook, and I didn't know until later, actually, what had happened. Uh, because it was an old Facebook page I had that she contacted, but she shared with me how upset she was with me and how she was uh, brought to DCS, uh, Child Protective Services. She was upset with me with her being brought to DCS and how I wasn't her her father anymore and some pretty hurtful things. And I just took it as her being, being angry at the moment because she's always express how much she's loved me and wanted to be around me. And we've had conversations about that. But then what followed after that was a message in regards to a man who had been accused of allegedly molesting her. So there were some uh, things about that in that message. So that was my last point of contact uh, with her. And that was about December 2019. Adrian also says he believes the alleged molestation his daughter confessed to him in her last Facebook message was a big factor that led to her behavioral problems as she grew older. Problems the family tried to work through, but never got a chance to fully resolve. Let's get into the situation. So how did you find out your daughter was found, you know, out in Buckeye and this stretch of road? Um, Talk to me about that and how you got the word that your daughter's body was found. I got the news via telephone. Her mother was greeted by detectives at her home, kind of like something out of a, a movie or First 48. 
you know, how the detectives come to your home to let you know that a family member has passed away and, you know, the details and family gets to crying. And that's what it was like. And they said that she was found May 22nd on the freeway, on the side of the freeway in the median. I, I was hysterical. I began to punch walls. And I, I'm not an angry individual, but at that moment, I was angry that my daughter was gone. And I, I didn't know what to do in that, in that moment. I just knew I needed to be there. And it's, it's tough. It really is. But when they gave me the information, they told me that they found our daughter on the I-10 freeway in Buckeye off of Watson Road. And the median where they found her, to me, I'm picturing brick or, or concrete between the, the freeway, you know, as far as median, like a shoulder. But when I went out there to uh, see about the family and everything in Arizona, I noticed that most of the medians are ditches pretty much. And that's where they found her in a ditch, discarded like she was a piece of trash. And she was in various stages of decomposition. That made the whole matter even worse. She was unrecognizable. And the only way they were able to recognize her was by rehydrating her body and getting fingerprints off of off of her because she was a ward of the states and in and out of JDC she was able to be identified right away with her fingerprints. Let's get into the dynamics of how this all occurred. So uh, your your daughter you said just like you said she was a ward of the state, right? So your yes. daughter was a ward of the state. I want to get into how she became a ward of the state why she was not living with you, why she was not living with her mother or some other relative and, and how that, and how her life kind of evolved into what it became. Because I know, I know you have, you said that you said that she was trafficked. I want to know how she was trafficked. How did all, how did that all start? So first though, tell me how she became a ward of the state. She became a ward of the state. Uh, so I'll backtrack a little bit. Her mother had, she, she couldn't handle her anymore. She was out of control, you know, very disrespectful, uh, violent in the home, stealing, you know, doing things that out of control teenagers would do that you would see like on Maury or, you know, one of these other shows. And she just had, she was at her wit's end. So she said, all right, uh, you, you all wanted each other. You two can have each other. Have your shot at it. I said, okay, I have no problem with that. Brought her into my home. I had her for about a year and a half. I did everything that I could, brought her through therapy, loved her. Uh, we, we disciplined her uh, in ways of taking things that was important to her. I started uh, taking her places that she really wanted to go, just everything that you could think of. I tried it, and I, I reached my wit's end when she became violent with me and other people in our house, and I brought her back to Arizona. When I brought her back, uh, there was uh, no one there to receive her. And I was instructed to uh, call the authorities. They tried, you know, reaching her mother and everything and nothing. And then they ended up taking her uh, through CPS because I had no uh, physical custody of her. Uh, her mo mother didn't give me the, the physical rights or anything during this time. So that's, 
that's how that play ended up playing out. According to her mother, the next day she uh, went to CPS and our daughter had said some things that pretty much confirmed that CPS should keep her. And uh, there were some, she was talking crazy, I think she had said, uh, saying things that could probably put somebody in a mental hospital, probably. I'm not sure because I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But that's how she ended up awarded the state. So, so let, let me ask you this. So what, what was going on with her? Was she, did she have, was she bipolar? Did she have some emotional issues? Like what was the root of what was going on with her? Or were you guys never able to really figure that out? We weren't able to figure it out. We kind of guessed a little bit. Uh, we put our heads together like, okay, you know, it could have been the fact of my presence not being there uh, enough. I mean, we could go back and forth into to the why, but I could have tried tried harder. But I did try. I will say that, um, and I I got to live with that. And you know, same with her mother. There, there's probably some things that she feels that she probably could have done. You know, but at the end of the day, she exemplified some bipolar type of behavior, but nothing was diagnosed or anything in that nature, but she definitely, according to therapists, has some issues that need to be dealt with, and they were trying to get to the root of it. But then you guys never got the chance to. No. Never got the chance to. to Yeah. So as far as the the whole aspect of her being trafficked, um, from what I was understanding and researching the, the story, this started when she was 13. So how in the world... Does that start at 13? Who gets a hold of your daughter? How did that happen? So our daughter, she was in a group home. Uh, I do not know the names of the group homes. However, uh, she was running away from these group homes. This is in Arizona. It's in Arizona. She wanted to do what she wanted to do. There was a girl that she had met there, and they ran away together. My Mm -hmm. suspicion is whomever she ran away with knew these traffickers. So they got in contact with these traffickers. Adrian says his daughter ran from her last group home because she allegedly heard from a woman connected to her traffickers and was threatened about testifying in an upcoming court case. They've been in the news and they were arrested. According to our daughter, she was beaten and raped into this lifestyle. And they told her if she did not continue to do what they told her to do, which was sell her body, and sell drugs and come back with a certain amount of money, they would repeatedly beat her and rape her until she did what they told her to do. She was smoking weed and she was addicted to uh, crack cocaine. Wow, at 16 years old? uh... (sighs) And, And from what they said that they forced those drugs in her system. Do you know how long she had been using? I do not. Wow, man, that's that's a lot. Well, that it is. is. A lot. That's a lot. Wow. So you guys don't have any idea of when she started? No idea. No, I don't. She ultimately ran away from them, and that's how they got caught. When the detectives caught up to our daughter, they caught up with our daughter. Someone had called because they found her with that same girl in a garage. In a garage. In a garage. Yeah, because she ran away. Uh, what they were doing there, uh, still to be determined. Mm-hmm. But they, they found her in some sort of shed or garage out in Arizona. So these guys are in jail right now? One for, of them for are. those crimes or? 
one of them are the oldest one was released from my understanding and the younger one is still uh in there so she got pulled in at 13 and then yes. she, she, you said she was able to how long was she in she got out and then got pulled back in i believe it was a matter of months before she ended up back in the group home after uh getting caught up with the police and everything uh, it was a matter of months between the time she ran away and the time they found her. Now she runs away again, uh, gets caught up with some illegal activity, and ends up in JDC. Uh, from that point, she ended up in what's called Mingus Mountain, and she actually thrived there. She was doing very well there. Her schoolwork was up. Uh, she was she was doing well, and that's where we did our therapy sessions because the goal was eventually to have her transition back into the home. We wanted our daughter, but she needed help. She was literally in the middle of nowhere, so she couldn't run away. Mm. She had no choice but to do what she needed to do to get out or do what she needed to do to stay in. And although she thrived, she didn't make enough progress, according to us, the therapists and the judges, to had go straight back home. So they transitioned her into another group home. And if she did what she was supposed to do in that group home, then she would have been able to come home. And according to our daughter, she wanted to come back to live with me, which is fine, provided that she completed everything she needed to complete. Something triggered her during her time at that group home. And if she did what she was supposed to do in that group home, then she would have been able to come home. And according to our daughter, she wanted to come back to live with me, which is fine, provided that she completed everything she needed to complete. And something triggered her during her time at that group home to where she ran away. We believe, well, we were told that she was contacted by one of the girlfriends of the Pennington brothers that threatened her life if she testified. And after that, she ran away and wasn't to be seen after that until she got caught back up with the police for solicitation. By that time, she had decided to go into that lifestyle. One thing that people don't realize is that these children when they're forced into this lifestyle and they get out of it, they usually choose to go back to it. As to why, I'm not sure. There's many reasons why. And our daughter, in her pain, chose that li lifestyle after that. As a teenager, chose that lifestyle. What are investigators telling you about this, the case? What are you learning? What are you finding out there? According to the detectives, there's viable leads that are coming out of this. Uh, even with the video that I shared, people are coming forward. And according to them, they want to help bring justice for our daughter. And we're, are going to diligently work this case as they have children of their own. Outside of that, there's not, again, too much that could be shared about the case, but that it's a homicide. What I was able to see, there was some conflicting information. Okay, was she thrown from a car or was, or did somebody murder her and just get rid of her on the side of the road? So I, wh which of the two is it? Or you guys still don't know? We still don't know. They're still trying to determine that. 
because according to the medical examiner report, she was hit by or died by a high velocity impact, which is consistent with a car. But why was she out in a rural area on the freeway? So there is still that probability of being killed and brought there. She was perfectly proportioned in the middle of a ditch. How did she get there in the middle of a ditch? Why did it take so long for people to see her? Why was she in so many different various stages of decomposition? Like all these questions are looming and signs, it's just fishy all the way around. And according to some people, there are some things that are leading to pimps that she may have been affiliated with. There's no solid evidence on that yet, but there's things that are, are leading to that. Mm -hmm. So we're asking people to come forward with this with this information. If you saw something, say something. Essentially, um, as far as what, what you guys are, are believing at this point is that her, she had some sort of contact, I guess the last person that she was with and all that kind of stuff. So, so they, I'm assuming police have, have that information or, or whatever. Yes. Yes. They have uh, all the information that they need so far. And like I said, they're working the case as diligently as they can. I mean, I'm assuming they also like they ping, they have to ping their phone and their social media and all that stuff. Like I'm sure they're digging into all that stuff though. Right. Uh, they're working on the social media aspect. As far as her phone, she wasn't found with one, mm. but she had one. So there, there's a lot of questions out there that need to be solved. Mm -hmm. And somebody does know something. I reached out to Buckeye Police and officials say the Maricopa County Medical Examiner did an autopsy that says Anaya likely died from high velocity impact, suggesting she was hit by a car. But the final results are still pending. Meanwhile, Adrian thinks Anaya was murdered and dumped on the road. Buckeye police also confirmed they are looking at every possibility in the investigation. As a parent, let me ask you this. You know, as, as you've gone through this, as you, you're starting to go through this horrible process, what have you learned that you think you can relay to other parents to help them not have this happen to them? What would you do differently? It starts with social media monitoring the social media for me i wouldn't had at the age that she was on social media i wouldn't had allowed her to even have a social media but at the same time technology is so readily accessible that they can sneak and create accounts and everything like that so staying on your children applying the necessary pressure that is needed be present in their lives know what they're doing and also educating yourself educating your children on the dangers of what's out there. Know what to look for when it comes to these sex traffickers. There's many things that happen. I just posted a video about someone that literally went into someone's hotel room with a hotel key and didn't have, wasn't even a, a guest in that room, had a hotel key somehow, some way, and tried to snatch someone's kids out of their room while they were in there. These traffickers can, will do anything that they can to steal our children, male or female. It doesn't matter. And there's female tra traffickers as well that work with these men. There's no, no gender behind these victims at all. The crazy thing is I've even heard stories and seen stories of some of them being teenagers themselves. 
you know, not necessarily an, an older man doing these things. It could be someone, a teenage girl, teenage boy, someone's boyfriend, someone's, you know, girlfriend or whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah, it goes, it goes deep. Uh, they've, I've, I've heard some things through other uh, victims that have reached out to me that politicians are involved, uh, that officers are involved, hotels. Like, it, it goes deep. Like, there's all kinds of people involved in this trafficking business. And it's sick. It has to stop. Mm -hmm. Did you ever find out anything about her circle of friends? Did she have a circle of friends? Actually, she did. I had no idea. Uh, there are people, again, that have reached out to me sharing some stories of how she was before she passed, uh, how she touched their lives, uh, even the midst of her pain and in the midst of her lifestyle, they, they shared some pretty good stories. Um, some of them are in the same lifestyle that she was in, but mm -hmm. she resonated with them. She touched them in some way, somehow. Wow. So tell me about the impact this is having on your family, on you. We're, we're in shock because this is so fresh. We're in various stages of grief. Uh, there's some blame being thrown around on, you know, the, the whole shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Uh, I'm seeing a therapist now because I had to, instead of her mother taking on seeing our daughter in the condition she was in, mind you, she was decomposed. I took that on instead of her. And I'm traumatized. Every now and again, I'll see individuals and they would look like the face of my decomposed daughter. And my father, he's broken up. My grandfather, you know, that's their first grandbaby and great grandchild. And I'm the oldest of 13 and having the first child in the family on my side of the family, they're just broken up. As far as your mother's side of the family, they're, they're just as distraught. And, you know, they're, everyone's grieving differently at, at this time. And it's, it's very, very painful. Like, I, it's something you cannot put into words. It's my daughter, my firstborn. Have you, have you guys been able to have a funeral or service for her? Or what's happening there? Her mother uh, did put one together uh, that I did attend. Tell me about her personality. Tell me, you know, what do you remember about her? What, what, was, what did she like to do? What was her favorite food? What did she want to become? Did she ever say any of that, you know? She did. Uh, she was very vibrant, funny. Actually broke. We used to crack jokes with each other. Uh, yeah, very very funny kid and great sense of humor. She was into acting. She wanted to be an actress. I had connected her with a couple people that could show her the ropes in Hollywood and, you know, get her connected, you know, to show her like, hey, this is something that you could do in the future. She had dreams of going to, to, to college and also being a phlebotomist. You know, she had those those dreams as well, wanted to get into the medical and wanted to genuinely help people. And food she loved. Uh, she had different eating uh, habits. I did introduce her to her first 
uh, taste of sushi out here in California. Uh, although her culture didn't believe in it, you know, she was adamant and I had no problems. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we had sushi together. She was loved by many. She was loved by many. Uh, things weren't always bad. They weren't. She, uh, she loved music. She really did. All, all types of music she was into. She was into being natural. Her favorite color was blue. She loved royal blue. Uh, I discovered that actually when we went school shopping. And I, was, I went to pick myself out some stuff. She picked herself out some stuff. And we both were picking royal blue. And that's how I discovered that was her favorite color, just like mine. And just things took a, a bad turn. And, but she was really, really a good kid. Just needed to be redirected. You know, it's when you stop and think about everything that she could have, must have gone through at such a young age, I can't even fathom that as an adult. You know, the things that, that you're saying to me and that you're telling me right now, you know, how do you feel about that? What goes through your mind when you really stop and think about everything that your daughter has actually experienced and what she went through? So many emotions. I'm, I'm angry. I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm hurt. Like so many emotions. I'm a man of faith and I don't question, you know, who I believe in. I don't question my God, but. At times, I find myself still struggling with the faith aspect because of what happened. But I know there's a purpose, even in this bad state, I know there's a purpose in what's going on. There's definitely a purpose. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the organization that we're putting together will help bring awareness, shed light, and ultimately stop sex trafficking. We're putting together the Anaya Walker Foundation for this purpose, uh, working on the nonprofit status of it, and really wanting to help victims, provide resources, and again, educate, because it's very important. It starts with education. I see you have the hashtag, uh, Justice uh, for Anaya. Yes. Uh, so when did you start that hashtag? I want to say once we found out she was murdered, and they didn't have the killers. So every post after that was Justice for Anaya. Every post was Justice for Anaya. If there was one thing or one message that you want to convey to people that you want them to understand about what happened to you and your family, what would that be? Hold your kids close and be present in their lives. Don't ease up uh, on them and know what they're doing, what they're getting into. Don't be afraid of opposition from them. Kids are going to do that. Remember that you're the parent. You do not want to end up in a situation that we've had to face. You don't want to have to see your child in a decomposed state or be succumbed to sex trafficking or anything of that matter. They could just be killed or kidnapped for other reasons. You do not want to find yourself in those situations. Be present. Hold them close. Educate. And so if you had the opportunity to say something to your daughter, what would that be? That I love her. That I love her. What are your thoughts for the people who may who have information about what happened to your daughter? Those who have information, I, I really really need you to come forward. 
and say something. Our daughter didn't deserve this at all. So if you know something, please say something. When it comes to my final thoughts about this case, the first thing I think of is how mind-blowing it was for me to hear Anaya's story. And you guys know I hear a lot of stories. That's part of what I do every day as a journalist. I'm wondering how did she die? Did someone throw her from a moving car? Or was she murdered and the killers got rid of the body? Or was she trying to escape from someone and jumped out of a moving car? Those are all things to think about. And who was she with? A pimp? A John? Or was it someone she knew and trusted? It's sad and tragic to think about all the stuff that happened to Anaya by the age of 16. Just pause and think about that for a second. I can't imagine being on the streets and in the position she was in at that age. I mean, that's just, wow. I also wonder about her parents and how they can mentally absorb what happened and how they will ever be able to move forward. I understand that Adrian is working on a nonprofit in Anaya's name to keep the same thing from happening to another family, and that's a good start. I also wonder why Anaya went back to the streets. I mean, what drew her back? Her father said she was making progress, but somehow she got caught up. Adrian said there are some leads in the case, so I plan to give an update as soon as I hear something new. The family also has a GoFundMe page set up to start the Anaya Walker Foundation. If you have any information in this case, call Buckeye Police at 623-349-6411. If you have a case that you want me to check out, just message me on the Intrigued Full Effect Facebook page or via email at intriguedfulleffect at hotmail.com. Until next time, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities in connection with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. Any copyright material in the podcast is approved by the owner or as part of the public domain. Music by Pond5.